Welcome to the podcast series, Redefined in Christ. Each episode explores what it means to live a life of freedom through what Christ accomplished on the cross. So let's listen in on what our host, Tim Atterbury, is teaching on today. Welcome to the podcast today. This is going to be an exciting podcast. I think most of them are, but uh, we will be talking about the four principles of Christian living. These are some things that I feel like we need to, to realize what comes with this package called new birth. There are a lot of things I could tell you to do, but we're just going to talk about these principles and these, what really are four, what you could say they, they translate as laws in the New Testament. I suppose before we dive into the subject of the laws we live by in the New Covenant, we should realize what the New Covenant is for those who may not be familiar with the term or are not listening to the podcasts that I've already recorded. I would encourage you to listen to the podcast on being born again and also the one on sin. They would help you a lot if it's possible before or if you haven't before this podcast, after this podcast. I believe a lot of things would come together for you. The quickest way for me to describe the New Covenant is to say that the New Covenant is born again in Christ, the new birth we have in, in Christ. Jesus said in Luke twenty two twenty during the Last Supper, this cup is the new covenant established by my blood. It is shed for you. So for this reason, we can say that it began with the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Hebrews 8, 6, and 7 say this, But Jesus has now obtained a superior ministry, and to that degree, he is the mediator of a better covenant, which has been legally enacted on better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion for a second one. These scriptures verify that there was indeed a second covenant given by God to replace the first one, which was with Moses and the people of Israel from the time of Exodus up until Christ. Most are familiar with this covenant if you say the Ten Commandments, but really it was over 600 laws by which to abide. It came with a sacrificial system to cover the sins of those who followed the law. You could also say that the new covenant is living the teachings of the New Testament. There was an old covenant we refer to as teachings of the Old Testament for the Jewish people and for anyone wanting to be saved during that time. A person could begin to follow the law and be saved by the law until Jesus. Jesus ended that covenant and therefore established a new covenant. Hebrews 10.4 says it like this, For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. He took away sin And we see the writers in the New Testament teaching not to mix the old covenant with the new one. Paul goes as far as to say that our transgression is removed because where there is no law, there is no transgression. This would mean that there is no law to follow. There are no rules and regulations. It is difficult to explain quickly, but I want to say that the Jewish law cannot be mixed with Christianity. When this happens, many false doctrines And many practices of things that do not serve salvation distract us from the gospel and even cause hypocrisy among God's people. This shows up in what some call legalism. Others loosely use the term religion to describe it. 
You hear about the difference in these two covenants, the old covenant and the new covenant, in other podcasts that I've recorded. But there is a clear message. You read them, you can find it in Romans, you can find it in Ephesians, 2 Corinthians, Hebrews, and other places in the New Testament talking about how the law was done away with by the death and resurrection of Christ. So if there is no law, then why do I have a podcast about four other laws of the New, Te- New, Custo- the New Covenant or New Testament? Well, I'll get to that in a moment. But I feel like we first need to define a few words that are commonly used in our Christianese, as people call it, our religious vocabulary. The first word I want to talk about is unbelief. Unbelief is distrust and disobedience. Romans 11.30 says, As you once obeyed God, but now have received mercy through their disobedience. (laughs) In 32 it says, listen closely to this, For God has imprisoned all in disobedience, so that he may have mercy on us all. Wow. For God has imprisoned all in disobedience, so that he may have mercy on all. I could do a podcast on that verse. But moving on, disobedience comes from not trusting God, not believing what he says is true, and comes from our own sinful, fallen nature. God answers for our disobedience is mercy, if we will just accept it. In Hebrews 4, 6 through 11, again, because of disobedience, they could not enter in, it says, But now, if we hear his voice and do not harden our hearts, God offers mercy. So he has provided mercy to replace this disobedience. Distrust and disobedience are produced by our unbelief. Really, it's it's a lack of trust in God, not accepting his grace or believing, not having faith. This comes from an unbelief that darkens our hearts, Unbelief is the condition of those still lost in sin. This is why we call them unbelievers. To understand what unbelief is, is to describe one of the most powerful words that we can, and really to to describe the destruction to our spiritual experience with Christ. What I'm trying to say is, I believe that sin in the new covenant can be summed up in one word. Are you ready to hear it? Unbelief. So it only makes sense that our next word that I want to talk about for a minute is belief. You see, belief is a natural act. It's an act of the mind, trusting things that we have experienced or trusting others who have had the experience. When we believe something, it's because we usually can find a way to prove it. Belief in Christ is the first step. When we believe that Jesus is who he says he is and did what he said he did, we are moving our own minds towards something more spiritual. Belief is, as I said, an act of the mind. I say this because sometimes we find ourselves unbelieving about things. We call this doubt. These actions are very human and normal to our everyday thinking. Belief happening in a realm of our thinking is just short of a spiritual act. You know what that spiritual act is? 
Faith. So what is faith? Well, faith is trust in God. Faith is a spiritual act. It's an act of the Spirit. Faith in God is trust in God for who He says He is. Trust in God requires believing God whom we have not seen, who is Spirit, and in whom we have, not, have seen no physical proof except for Jesus Christ who said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. When we act on faith, we, are, we have moved beyond believing something because we think it's provable to a place beyond belief. We move to a mindset that is spiritual and opens the door for us to be born again. When we believe with our hearts or our minds, this is part of that process of being born again, as I've discussed in a previous podcast, and, and begin to embrace a reality and mindset that we cannot prove. We just walk in a trust that God's Spirit will guide us. We are told to have faith and not doubt. Doubt is disbelief. So let's talk about doubt for a moment. What is doubt? Doubt is questioning what you already believe. It's an act of the mind, just like belief. We, that because we have no experience or different knowledge, a person chooses not to believe something. Having doubt means you may not completely believe, but one can have doubt and still have faith because believe is an act of the mind and faith is an act of the spirit. You remember the scriptures that say, uh, the scripture that says, um, have faith and doubt not? <laughs> because you can have doubt mixed with that faith. It may be considered weak faith. One could say faith without doubt. We are told it is better to have faith and not doubt, right? Or believe without having to have proof. Which brings us to that place of faith. So, so look, it is possible to have doubt and faith at the same time because faith is spiritual and doubt is natural. A person who has doubt can be a believer. So when we speak about the part about the mindsets, we are talking about the soul and how it is guided to the carnal, natural realm or the spiritual realm. Now listen close. Carnal-minded or spiritually-minded. In our humanness, we have the ability to believe or not believe, to complete, completely be unbelieving or just have some doubt. Faith moves us from a natural realm and puts us in a spiritual mindset. Many people use the term faith when they mean belief. But there are some distinctions. We are told to believe with our hearts for salvation. Believe with your heart is having faith. You are not logically assessing it. You are walking into the unknown trusting with your heart, with your passion, with, with your mindset that you're moving beyond the realm of knowledge to a realm of, of the unknown, to trusting God in the process. So there are some important words I think you should kind of be thinking about as we talk about the new covenant. Let's look and see what the Bible says about moving into the new covenant. In the old covenant, a person just had to obey. That's right. They didn't even have to believe. But in the new covenant, a person needs to have belief in God and trust in God. This is a covenant of faith. It is not possible to be born again without believing with our hearts and therefore having faith. The old covenant, obedience. 
keeping laws, regulations, and rules, and obeying them. The new covenant, living a life of trust in God. Paul said of himself, I acted in ignorance and unbelief. I could not understand the truth, and I was resistant to the truth. You see, his first condition was ignorance and unbelief by his own words. Paul was abiding by the old covenant. He did not at the time understand the new covenant. However, Paul was a Pharisee, and a very good one by his own testimony. A Pharisee was a sect of elite leaders that held the law of Moses to the highest standard, believing in the writing or the written law and the oral law that came out of the prophets. They were focused on the law. Paul was one of them and very good at it. This is why we see him as one of the strongest voices in the New Testament concerning the law of Moses or the Old Covenant and the difference in it and the New Covenant. Paul says he went away for, what, three years in training. I would suppose that this time was spent learning the difference in the two and then how to explain it. Three years to get the old out of his life and understand what being born again really meant. Let me remind you that in these podcasts, we have also been talking about the difference in the two covenants. I'll continue to share on the subject of the difference in the two and what it means for us to live in this new covenant. And there's one reason I do that. Because I believe the new covenant is the same as saying the gospel of Jesus Christ. So when I'm talking about being born again, I'm talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ. When I'm talking about the freedom that comes with living free from sin, I'm talking about what happens at the cross, and I'm talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ. When we receive pardon from sin, it's a spiritual and mental change. We are not an unbeliever anymore, but a believer because of faith. At times we have doubts, but we don't walk in unbelief. Paul is speaking in past tense when he said he was an unbeliever. At the time, he was sharing about his past mental condition and his past spiritual condition. He was no longer ignorant and unbelieving. Now, he no longer resists the truth. So I think before we dive into the new covenant living, I need to share about one more word, and this is part of the process of the change. I've shared about it on other podcasts, on the one uh, about being born again. And the word is repentance. Repentance is a mental change. It is actually changing knowledge. Specifically, a change in what you know or what you think. Our view changes from natural to spiritual. We turn from the past and move into the future. Built into the definition of metanoia, or repent, is the idea of turning from one thing to another. So we are told to repent and be converted. We are being told to turn away from our previous thinking and put on a spiritual mindset. Equally important is the definition of sin. I've also covered it extensively in another podcast. But what is sin? To miss the mark. The mark is determined by what God wants. We have a covenant with God. Sin is missing the mark of the covenant that you have with God. Our new covenant is with God, and our mark is that we must be born again, or you could say, accept what Christ did on the cross through his death and resurrection. 
Sin under the old covenant is transgression of the law. But where there is no law, there is no transgression. To summarize, concerning these words we have discussed so far, it's to say that it looks as though when we believe, we are moving our carnal thinking to focus on a spiritual thing. We, uh, this allows faith to act in us. Our faith opens the door to receive Christ into our lives. We may sometimes doubt or even find ourselves questioning everything. After, it, after all, it, it is all new to us. But however we're living with a new identity, we identify with Christ. We are redefined in Christ. To live with an unbelieving heart is to live without faith in God, and therefore to live in darkness. When we don't believe that Jesus died to free us from our sins, we find ourselves without eternal hope. But when we find ourselves redefined in Christ, we'll find eternal life. So let's look at these four, what I call the four profound principles of the New Testament. So finally, we get to look at these four laws of the New Testament. We see four distinct principles called laws, but I'll tell you why I call them principles. There are laws that belong to a legal system. You must obey and pay the penalty. However, there are also laws that occur if certain conditions are present. Consider gravity. We'll talk about more of this, but the laws that we are talking about are under a new covenant fit to me the term principle more than they do just a law. The first law, the first covenant, sorry, the first covenant were rules to abide by. The second covenant are conditions that are necessary to exist in a new way of living. I think I'm going to go ahead and tell you why I mentioned gravity. Because when we think of something, you may have not followed what I was trying to say there, but, but it, if you throw something up and there's gravity, then it, the law of gravity says it's going to come down. Like here, you throw it up, it's going to hit the ground. It's going to come back down. Why? Because it exists under that law. It's a principle that, that follows it. It can't really break that rule. It's a rule that exists because of a conditioner that is present. And that's, that's what I'm getting at. It's a, it's a different kind of law. We'll dig in a little bit more later. But let's look at this first law, faith. Romans 3, 27, 28 speaks of the law of faith. He says, where then there is boasting? Where then, sorry, where then is boasting? It's excluded. By what kind of law? By one of works? No. On the contrary, by the law of faith. For we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. And then let's look at Romans 14.23. If we do not practice in faith, it is sin. Paul is speaking to the Romans about how some practice and certain laws of the law of Moses, he calls them weak in faith. They, they wanted to eat certain foods or celebrate certain days. But lets them all know that they should follow their conscience on what is the best practice for each person, not judging one another. This is a great chapter on how to love others, 
how to handle religion, and how to view things from a spiritual Christ-like mindset. He says concerning those who don't eat certain foods, but whoever doubts stands condemned if he eats, because his eating is not from a conviction or faith, but everything that is not from conviction or faith is sin. So how do we live in this law of faith? Well, Romans 10.10 says, One believes with the heart, resulting in righteousness, and one confesses with the mouth, resulting in salvation. In 13, he says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And Hebrews 11 and 6 says, Now, without faith, it is impossible to please God, for the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and rewards those who seek him. So what kind of law is faith? It should be viewed more like a principle. Just like I used, although it may have been kind of a bad or sloppy example about gravity, there is that law that says that when you throw the ball in the air, it will come back down. In that law of gravity, you would not say to someone that someone could transgress that law. It's the same with faith. How can you transgress faith? Faith is not something we obey. It's a spiritual state we live in. If we are not living in faith, then we are living in sin. Why? Because faith is required to be saved. We are saved through grace and through faith. In one place, the Apostle Paul makes them inseparable by saying, I think it's in Ephesians 2.8, for you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It's a gift of God. So according to this verse, you are saved by grace through faith. So the law of faith. The second law is the law of love. Love is a direct commandment of Christ. More than once he tells us to love. When we are born again, it is because God loves us and we believe that Jesus testified to that love through his death and his resurrection. Also, when we are born again, it is the spirit of love that comes into us and lives. It's the spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit. God's love has moved in. So love is another law that is like a principle we live by. Without love or ignoring God's love, we find ourselves not believing he loved us and died for us. We begin to doubt and eventually with believing God loves us, if we don't, we'll find ourselves in darkness and unbelief. Right? So, the light came. And those who don't walk in the light or want the light, Jesus says, we loved the darkness more than the light. So God's love is light according to John. So this law of love is like a principle. If we don't live in it, as I said earlier, we begin to doubt and eventually we, we even doubt God's love for us. We'll find ourselves in darkness and unbelief. Paul says, without love, I am nothing, 1 Corinthians 13. The whole chapter is worth the read. Love affects everything. Just, it, Paul says, without it, I am nothing. In Galatians 5, 6, we are told that faith works through love. So, here we can see these two, love and faith, and we could say grace and faith are necessary to new birth. We are saved by grace and faith, right? And grace is God's love toward us through Jesus Christ. So 
Living in the practice of the law of love and faith puts us in right standing with God. If you want to look into some scriptures about that, you can look at Mark 12, 29 through 30. You can look at John 13, 34, 35. You can look at Romans 13, 10. This takes us to the third law I have mentioned for the new covenant, the law of the Spirit. Sorry, the law of the Spirit of life is what it says. Romans 8, 2 says... Because the Spirit's law of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. You could interpret Paul as saying that because of the new covenant or new birth in Christ, we are free from the old covenant that amplifies sin and allowed death to rule because of disobedience. But you can piece that all piece together all, all of that information if you want. You can go back and look at the podcasts that I've shared because I've talked about those things before. But the great thing about this law is that it says, we are not dead, but we are alive in Christ. And we are free from sin and death. So this third law, the law of the spirit of life. We can get a fuller meaning of this by looking back at the previous verses um, before the scripture in Romans 8, 2, verse 1 says, Therefore, no condemnation exists for those in Christ Jesus, because the Spirit's law of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. So do me a favor. When you get the chance, read the whole chapter of Romans 8. I'm not going to do it now. But it's awesome, and it's enlightening. The law best represents our new birth in Christ this New Testament law of love. We are bought, brought to life in Christ. And that's another law we really can't break is being born again. We can, we can only choose to walk away from it. If we do, then we find ourselves in darkness. We would be condemned because of what? Our unbelief. So we have the law of faith, the law of love, the law of the spirit of life. And now we're going to look at the fourth law mentioned in the New Testament. James 2, 12 says, Speak and act as those who will be judged by the law of freedom. James 1, 25 says, But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and pre- preserves it in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but one who does good works, this person will be blessed in what he does. James spends his time talking about this law of freedom. He calls the perfect law of freedom. Wow, the perfect law. That's what this is. We're talking about principles that develop into one large principle of being born again, this perfect law that God has given us to live under. Faith, living in his grace. Wow, that's an amazing thing. Oh, I got lost. Let me think. Where was I at? (laughs) Uh, Like Peter and like Paul, as a leader of the early church, we realize that all three of these, James, Peter, and Paul, are embracing this new covenant and teaching about it. But they struggled within the churches themselves. Many Jews insisted on following some of the old covenant laws, including, as we said before, the Ten Commandments. What is interesting is that when the church met over these issues, they ended up giving a few guidances to the Gentiles. And that may be something I need to cover in another podcast. But many Christians today should be surprised by one thing. They did not tell the Gentiles to guard the Ten Commandments from the law of Moses. Matter of fact, none of the things they asked them to do had anything to do with the law of Moses. 
That would be the first thing that most of us would be thinking about today. Remember, the old covenant was completed in Christ. And any following of the commandments would come from a morally good conscience if we were to follow them as, as a new creature in Christ. Jesus in Matthew 5 and 7 talk, 5 through 7 talks about the law. He, he asked us to do things beyond what the law said do, and they couldn't understand that at the time, but it's because he was about to make a change in the hearts of men. He tells us to go above and beyond what is required by the law through many of his examples in those chapters. We call that the Sermon on the Mount. Because this is what God does in us. He is our law. He gives us the power to live above and beyond sin. We live in freedom. We live in liberty. We live in love. And we live in faith. Again, we are talking about a law called freedom. How do you break the law of freedom except that you place yourself back into bondage of what? The slavery of sin. By what? By unbelief. All of the instructions given about these principles is designed to tell us that love does this in our lives. To choose not to love or have faith or live in liberty is to live as an unbeliever. So if they are indeed laws, then the transgression would have to be unbelief. All of the instructions given about these principles is designed to tell us what love does in our lives. So just remember, love, faith, liberty, freedom, this is what God has called us to be, to live in. This is it. It is made clear in the New Testament that love is the fulfillment of any spiritual rule that is given. Jesus fulfilled the law through revealing God's love toward us. The law of love, faith, life, and liberty are all gifts to live in. They are Christian principles. If we are not living bound to these laws, then we would be lawless. We all find ourselves sometimes in disbelief about some things or in doubt. But if we find ourselves in unbelief, we will find ourselves in darkness and condemnation. We are the light of the world. Share that light of love with others. Walk in that liberty, free of carnal thinking. Walk in faith without doubt and live in the liberty of Christ. Don't live under a law that serves only for contention or only speak of sin and death. It's time that we live in our new covenant with God like is taught in the New Testament. Amen? I hope you agree with me. And I want you to stay tuned Next week, we'll be talking about the differences in the flesh and the spirit and what it means to those of us who have been born again. And remember, always, faith works through what? Love. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Be sure to tell your friends that they can find it on most major distributions. Just search Tim Atterbury or the title Redefined in Christ. You can learn more about Tim, his mission work in Honduras, and transcripts of these podcasts at www.timatterbury.website. Again, thanks for listening. And remember, faith works through love.